Well, hello, everybody. Uh, it's your favorite podcast back again with another episode of The Last Call. And as always, uh, David Griggs here and joined by my esteemed colleague and intrepid explorer of the uh, minutiae of discussion points that we uh, always find ourselves falling into here on this uh, on this podcast. Andy Kane, how are you? Good. That's uh, quite the tagline. Put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. I know, right? I think <laughs> I think I'll, I'll work on it. You know, for next week, I'll, I'll make it a little more Punch concise. It up a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's good to speak to you as always. I'm sorry you're not feeling well a little bit. As as uh, is that right? Yeah, you know, when you have a child in daycare, the cesspool of society, <laughs> uh, you tend to to catch sometimes what the kid has. So, yeah, I'm sitting here with a upper respiratory uh, infection right now. My wife's got an ear infection, which we're like. How does that happen when you get older? But it does. Apparently, yeah. So you've so instead of a beer tonight, you've got a lem sip or something, have you? Or no, I still have a beer. I mean, oh, let's not get ridiculous. <laughs> awesome. The show must go on. Right? Exactly. <laughs> the sacrifices I do for this podcast. Absolutely. Well, I'm actually drinking a little bit of whiskey tonight. I thought, you know, um, just 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 for honestly, just for the sake of variety, I, I started to feel a bit bad about the um, you know, the um, my bench strength here a little bit. So um, yeah, nice little four roses, um, single barrel um birthday present actually so oh, very um, nice yeah yeah very much enjoying it and uh, so yeah why don't you um tell us you, you know what you're drinking and then um we're gonna take a bit of a left turn tonight aren't we we're gonna yeah. we're gonna jump into a bit of a different topic and so yeah why don't we share that with the folks sure. who, um, get stuck into um it. yeah so tonight i you know like like you said I'm a little under the weather so i kind of stayed tried and true uh with a georgetown beer um called johnny utah Wow. Yeah. It's pale ale, pretty straightforward, really solid. So, um, you know, why not? I like a pale. You know, when you're not quite in the mood for like that high alcohol, you know, hop, like, you know, IPA kind of strength beer, a, a nice pale is, is sometimes a really good compromise, especially at this time of the year, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the weather's starting to turn pretty nice around here. Yeah, but. exactly. It's sort of like a summery drink, but without going full on like lager kind of, you know. <laughs> Um, you don't so go yeah. full summer this full early summer. in the year <laughs> exactly. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, right. No, you only only a fool would do that. We're, right. we're clearly in the spring of deception right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, cool. So yeah, so you mentioned the that we're we're kind of changing topics here. So we wrapped up our series on AIML, and yeah, I thought that was really good, and you know, really skimmed the surface on a lot of deep topics there. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna pull it back and maybe talk a little bit about career. And we we've gone back and forth about you know actually having the whole podcast surround uh, this one topic, but mm -hmm. uh, I think to our better judgment, we decided to go other other directions. But you know we should we want to bring it back and really start talking about um, the different jobs that you know either you and I have or that we work with closely because I think it is curious. Uh, I, I find it funny that I talk to my friends. And there's this like running joke that we still have no idea what each other does. Like yeah. no one knows what we do. Totally um, agree. You know, like my buddy's in in PR. I have no idea what he does. <laughs> like, it's you know? magic, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Exactly. So I think all my buddies still remember me as the IT guy from college that they'd bring their laptop over to fix. And I <laughs> still am doing that right now for some reason. You never get to walk away from that, unfortunately. I know. I know. I should have. <laughs> that was the bet I made. 
But um, so yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna kick it off today. Of uh, really the the role that you've had for quite some time, and you're mm-hmm. quite good at. Um, oh, thank you. Is you know the question is is like what is product management? Yeah. And I think it's something I think I would say it's changed a lot, right? I think over the years, um, and and I think reasonably so, and, and it's welcome change, but it's definitely a role that has evolved from being something that's perhaps a little aloof and difficult to describe to being actually something that's quite embedded in um, a research and development organization. And that makes it sound fancy. When we when we say R and D, that's a term that gets used a lot, isn't it? But it isn't like we're, you know, curing cancer just to stick with a the theme. We you know often we're <laughs> often it's it's essentially product development, right? When you're a business and you're making something new. In other words, you're not just reselling or something. You're actually building something. Product management um, is quite an essential role. But before we get into the specifics, maybe, Andy, maybe it's worth just talking. Maybe you could help us here. Just talk a little bit about, to give some context about what a typical product development organization looks like in terms of the various teams that are on it. And then we can, over the next few podcasts, maybe zero on a few of those and, and discuss in a bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, like you said, when you hear R&D, you think of lab coats and yeah, beakers and you know all that fun stuff. Unfortunately, you know sometimes it is you know like that, but not not uh, not typically in our industry. So the yeah, like like you said, an R and D is really a product development um, space, and there's there's multiple roles within that space, right? So you've got kind of your your engineering, which there's roles in there. You've got your product teams, which you've got your roles in there, and then you've got your, you can almost call it like the business side. Um, uh-huh. and, and you've got your various roles in there. And then there's typically like administrative roles that support all that. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, so the specifically what we're talking about today is the product org and people may think is like, well, doesn't the product just like it has everything in it. Um, but that's mm-hmm. not really true. Uh, and I think, one of the things that that is always fascinating to me, because um, I, I I had really good fortune working with some really good product managers over the years, you being one of them, is um, product managers are like this this translator between um, customer needs and engineer speak, and it's not <laughs> like office space where it's like oh i just take the specs from the you know from the engineers um there's a lot more to it and i think you know it'd be interesting to get your take like you were mentioning it's kind of evolved over the years into a very concrete uh necessary role and so you know where did it come from and where do you actually think it's going yeah, I think honestly, uh, when I was at school, the term product manager wasn't well understood or well used. And you were typically a, um, it was typically something called requirements management or business analysis. And these were kind of roles where um, you were charged with understanding the problem space, right? And I think that's what modern product management is. You know, you're basically going in and saying, okay, Firstly, what's the domain, right? And that's usually forced on you by the nature of the business that you're working for, right? You know, if you're working for, you know, Mattel, you're going to be in the toy space and that's just what it is. But essentially, you know, um, there's that. And then there's identifying what is a pain point or what is something that you think today is, um, could be better, right? And, and, And then once you have that, and I'm skipping over a lot of steps here because I want to keep this fairly high level. Um, you then start to identify, you know, solutions to those pain points, and they 
often then become through some pruning and you know um careful analysis often become ideas that then seed products and those products are often addressing one or more of those specific pain points so it's really about you know a good product manager is going to be well versed in the domain they work in they're going to understand their customers they're going to understand what sucks for their customers and then they're going to propose solutions that um you know, um, address that need. And so like a really simple but somewhat silly use case might be, you know, in the uh, high-rise bu- building business, uh, we have stairs, right? Stairs have been there forever, but customers really hate walking upstairs. It's a pain point, right, to get to the 30th floor of their apartment block. And so what's, the, you know, so you start to you know, iterate on that and clearly, although I'm not covering any new ground here, a solution might be an elevator, for example, right? And it's that kind of thing. And then, you know, what is the requirements of the elevator? Well, it moves quickly. Yeah. You're not required to, you know, you're not going to be exerting any physical effort. Um, it gets you straight to your floor. Um, and, you know, and you start to kind of work on a set of features that then, to your point, get communicated to an engineering team. Um, and there's various different approaches for that so that what comes out the other side in terms of an actual product somewhat addresses, hopefully completely addresses the pain points that you, you identified early on. So let That's me ask a question on that. Yeah, go for it. So how do you avoid uh, the camel scenario? Right. Because they say that, uh, you know, a camel is a, what is it like a horse designed by committee? Yeah, it's a racehorse designed by committee. Yeah. It's a great expression. Right. Absolutely. I think um, good product managers are leaders and they are often people who are imaginative. And, you know, I do think great ideas often get diluted by committee. Um, and so often you need people who are going to really embrace the vision not to the you know there's a point where you have to kind of like eventually maybe look based on data based on research based on discovery you might have to concede that the idea you had was didn't doesn't work right but i do think good product managers are leaders and they know how to influence because often and this is something we should point out um a modern pm product manager doesn't typically have direct reports right we're not mm. telling people what they should do and so you're then required to have a sort of set sort of scope of influence or sphere of influence um so you need to be compelling you need to sh- you know you need to convince people including people on the business side that you're talking about and also engineers like this is something we should do um but if to your point it gets into this process where five or 10 other people come in and help you refine that in some cases you lose that potency yeah and and then you build camels yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so have you ever had a a project kind of go awry in your career yes i have well i think every good pm must have because that's how you learn right and i think that that nature of failing fast you know picking yourself up and and getting back at it um you learn a lot right so you know i've worked on products over the years where I was convinced that I, you know, solved the most challenging problem ever. And I, you know, probably shouldn't get into direct examples because we're right. talking about things that are still for sale right? yeah, yeah, yeah. companies, but, but, you know, but definitely, and they haven't been as successful and it's really humbling and you, you, you know, you go in and you develop and you iterate and you produce products that, you know, you think have, you've done everything right. You've ticked all the boxes and then, 
the figures speak for themselves when it hits the market and it doesn't sell as well as, you know, projected or at all in some cases, right? It's definitely a very humbling experience and you have to kind of look back at it and say, well, what did we do wrong and how can we not do that in the future? Gotcha. And there's always a lesson buried there somewhere in, and not just from, for a product manager, but for the team in general, right? I think right. that's, um, that's definitely so, true. So just kind of, so I can better understand just on the product, like a product manager is someone that understands the problem space, talks with customers, gets the feedback, um, talks to the market, if you will, mm -hmm. creates a vision of what the solution looks like. Like, hey, here's your elevator, or what we are going to call an elevator. <laughs> right. And then there's this other part that I always find interesting is like, how do you get the engineers to build it? Yeah. So that comes down to execution, right? So what we've been talking about a lot so far in this conversation has been around vision and, you know, coming up with the idea. And then, of course, I, and I think this is where the role has changed over the years, because previously that's where PMs kind of like wiped their hands, right? They were right. like, okay, job done. One to beam up, you know. Um, and, 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 you know, engineers would go away <laughs> and come back six months later with something that probably didn't look like <laughs> the idea going in, right. Just because of the nature of waterfall development. And that's probably a whole different uh, yeah. conversation, but, but now, um, PMs are integrated into the development cycle. So we are involved, uh, in, in an ideal situation on a daily basis with the engineering team, we're answering questions, we're keeping things on track, but to your point, uh, in terms of actually communicating the requirements over to an engineering team, there are a number of different ways to do that. The most common by far, at least in my experience, is a process called Scrum. And we can probably talk about that in a different mm -hmm. podcast. But essentially, it's tight iterations of um, two or three weeks of work. And then you evaluate, you look at the results, you make corrections, and you move on. So by having this constant feedback from product, which is ultimately the voice of the customer in this engagement... Um, you're keeping um, the engineering team aligned with the, the vision rather than just saying, go do this and let me know when it's done, right? And six months later, of course, they've had no input, no feedback, no no course corrections. And often, you know, you send in a swing and you get a tire swing, right? It's it's, it's like that, that's that analogy. Yep. So, so, so yeah, so I and, and that scrum process is really about something called user stories. And so you really express functionality that you want in terms of how your end user will actually um, interact and use the software. And that becomes a very human and very descriptive way to, to um, pen uh, the requirements that you need for a given feature, product, you know, uh, the whole bit really. Yeah. So last question, um, what, what do you think it, it, like what are the qualities or experience, experiences that a person should have if they want to get into product management? Yeah, it's a great question. They need to they need to be in inquisitive. They, like they need to have an inquiring mind, right? They want to be um, curious. Be curious. <laughs> um, Apt. <laughs> you need to be curious. You need to enjoy listening because um, the best product managers I've ever worked with know how to sit back and really listen to their customers, and really intimately understand their needs. So you need to be good at that. You also need to be good at writing. Like you need to be able to then take all of that information that you've got from multiple input sources and then distill it down into something you can communicate 
effectively, not just to engineering, but to the business, right? You need to make the pitch. You need to say, look, we should do this. We definitely, and so you need to be compelling. Charismatic doesn't hurt. And, you know. <laughs> what you have in spades. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, really, I mean, you're embarrassing me. Um, but no, but yes, but seriously, like having some charisma and having some like being compelling, being able to present. But, you know, these are all all things that I think are desirable, but above all, you need to be interested. You just need to be interested in the problem space. Like there's no point in being a product manager for a product you don't believe in. You're, mm. you're dead in the water, right? For sure. So you need to really love what you do. Um, and from that, your natural curiosity and some discipline, of course, around, you know, your framework for how you actually like build up this vision, um, will produce great things. So yeah, that would, that would be my concise answer. Great. So, uh, you know, any parting thoughts, any resources that folks could check out to maybe yeah. get a little better understanding? I think there's a, there's a great book that's really designed for people who are looking to interview for a product management role, but it also gives a really good insight into what a good product manager does and how they behave and organize themselves. And it's called, I think it's called Cracking the PM Interview. Um, and so you can buy that from your favorite bookstore or online bookstore. I think we all know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's actually really a good, it's, it's a good resource if you're looking to understand a little bit more about the role and potentially you're looking to migrate from a role that is in, you know, already maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a BD type person and you're looking to get into product. Maybe you're a solutions um, um, architect, you know, you're looking to get into product. This is a really good resource to help you identify it. So that would be, that would be my tip. And then, um, yeah, just talk to, you know, um, you know, find people who, who work in product and have a good conversation with them about the role and stuff. That's yeah. also, I think a good resource. Excellent. Wow. I can't believe the time already. I know. Yeah, we got our fingers wrapped, didn't we? We got some little bit of feedback, Andrew. Didn't we, we want to talk about that a little <laughs> we bit? We did, yeah. So I think some of the listeners thought we went uh, a little too long, which you know what? Uh, good on them. Like, call us out. Absolutely. You know, we are, and that's this is actually part of being a good product manager as well is taking <laughs> feedback yes. and then incorporating it into the product. So, um, yeah, I think these are these are going to be we're going to do a series of these over various uh, roles within R and D org and. And uh, hopefully, you know, the, the listeners enjoy them. Yeah, and get a little insight. I mean, I think it's a, a very rewarding field. You can apply it in lots of places. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to turn the tables next week and have a – and you're going to be the uh, – because we're going <laughs> to talk about your, your particular um, career yeah. and your role. So looking forward to that. Well, uh, thank you, Andy. Appreciate the, um, the conversation. And uh, as always, um, folks at home, we, we appreciate your listen. And um, we'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, be curious.